Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of How to Scale a Business. I'm on with Aiden Riley, co-founder of the FarmLink Project. So thank you so much, Aiden, for being in the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Um, the FarmLink Project is a nonprofit organization that has been up for over three years, helping surplus produce from uh, farms to, to food banks around the country. So in their first two years, the organization has rescued 85 million pounds of food and deliver it to, to families and eat. So that's pretty amazing. And, and again, we have one of the founder of this amazing group, Aiden. So can you tell me a little bit a little bit about you and how do you find this group? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So uh, as, as you mentioned, we're just about three years old. Uh, I started this with a couple friends when I was a junior in college, and that was in April of 2020. So um, at the beginning, you know, this was really not something that we thought was going to be an organization. Uh, I, I, like I said, as a junior in college, I was kind of planning on what I was going to do after school. And my plan was to do documentary filmmaking uh, or work in production. And that's what I was gearing up for, as well as uh, with one of my co-founders, James. But of course, the pandemic hit, like everybody else in the world that put plans on pause. And we started instead looking around our hometown to see is there anything that we can do, you know, in this crisis situation? Uh, and although we were stuck at home, we did see that our local food bank had gone from, you know, 300 clients a week to like well over a thousand and they were running out of food, uh, which is what we realized once we started speaking to them. Uh, at the same time, I'm not sure if you or anyone listen, listening remembers, but there was this issue at the early of the pandemic um, of food getting thrown out, millions and millions of pounds of perishable mm. food. So that's everything from dairy to produce. And the reason was this kind of supply chain breakdown as you know, millions of people had to go home, this farms that were supplying things like stadiums, mm. office parks, schools, their contracts got slashed, they had nowhere to store the food. And so it actually was just being dumped in a backyard in backyards, basically. Uh, mm. So we saw this in, in, in incredible um, surplus of food, good food. And then on the other end, we saw this issue of people not having enough, uh, mainly, uh, or at least what we saw was here in Los Angeles. So we set out to try to connect farmers with our local food bank. And we didn't have mm. like any background in agriculture or freight, like I said, but we did know how to pick up the phone and call people and ask mm. questions. And so that's what we did. We, we called hundreds of farmers asked them what they had and how we could get it to people who need it. Um, and we were persistent and eventually found a farmer who said, you know, I've got 10,000, 15,000 eggs and you can have them, but I got no way of getting them to you. So at the beginning, mm -hmm. we were really renting U-Hauls basically and literally driving and picking up food in a rented truck and then bring it to our food bank in LA. Um, and that really is the founding story. But what happened right after that is is thousands and then hundreds of thousands of people began noticing what we were doing news channels mm. picked up and 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 uh as soon as we you know felt like we blinked and we had thousands of people emailing our inboxes and asking how can i help uh, i have a truck i have a vegetable garden mm. and what we did in that early stage in the first couple months is we built this big team of basically just student volunteers from around the country, helping call farmers, helping transport and coordinate deliveries to food banks. Uh, and in the first three, three weeks, we'd moved a million pounds of food. And so we realized, oh man, this actually could work. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. So um, 
you found a problem and then you act on a solution. Hmm. So that's that's pretty much what you did. But uh, in, right now, it's like you said, it's over three years. Mm-hmm. What's like the drive that you have behind this um, the, this organization? Like what's still uh, pushing you in doing this? Well, what we learned pretty quickly is that, you know, we knew, of course, that hunger was not an issue that was unique to the pandemic, but it was a learning process to realize that food waste. And when I'm and I'm talking about food waste, I'm talking about mm. stuff that is grown alongside grown, packaged and processed alongside what we would buy in a grocery store. But for one reason or another, usually some kind of complication in the supply chain, it ends up having to get thrown mm. out. We realized that that actually was not only not unique to the pandemic, but it's happening on a huge scale uh, around the world. But we're really talking about the United States here. You know, we grow enough food in the U.S. to feed every single person on this planet. Right. Um, and at the same time, we are which is an amazing thing. But at the same time, because we're producing so much and, and this incredible variety and amounts for everyone across the, the country at any time, it can lead to a lot of food getting thrown out. We're talking, you know, a third of all of that food that's grown about a hundred billion pounds a year. Um, so that's what we decided, you know, once we decided, oh my God, and, and realized that really what was at the root of this issue was a logistics, a logistics problem where mm-hmm. farmers and wholesalers were not getting the right resources and didn't have the time basically to figure out how to get the food that they had to people instead of to a landfill. We, uh, we we committed to doing this in a, in a way that could actually uh, have a have a long long term and and huge effect on the food system at hand. You know, to sum it up in one sentence, the 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 meal gap is, which is basically the amount of food that we would need to provide to end hunger, is about seven billion meals, and that only represents about less than ten percent of the fresh food that we're throwing out every single year. So. If you can imagine, connecting these two issues is a is a an actual an actual roadmap to mm. combating hunger and or ending hunger on a on a really large scale. It's also a good thing that you you clarify. It's not just like a wasted food, but a, a well um, grown and packed food. It's just it, it there's something is happening in the supply chain, right? As you said, and that's a lot, a lot that's getting wasted. And you're the one who's acting out to to rescue it all. It's just amazing. And what's like aside from um, a nonprofit organization and a typical business, we always experience like a challenge. So for the group that you have for this organization, what's like the most difficult thing that you've experienced in in running this, and how did you face it mm-hmm. or resolve it? I think well, a lot of those kind of difficulties came within the first year, as I think is natural, which is not just getting up off ground and, and, and getting our operations running, but deciding how we were going to prioritize what we could do. You know, is it, was, was it, is our ultimate goal to rescue the most amount of food possible or is it to fight hunger? And, and, and in that, in that problem statement, you know, was a lot of, uh, a lot of discussions within the organization, because if, you know, our ultimate goal was to just rescue as much food as possible, then there's a million things we can do with that food. I mean, you know, then we can count our success by numbers of pounds of food move. But if it really is to fight hunger, then it's a more nuanced issue here in the sense that, so we've actually moved, we've actually rescued about a hundred million pounds of food now, uh, uh, since that 85 million number was updated. Amazing. We got to update it. We moved very fast. 
But, and that's great and all. And it's, but the thing is, in order to really solve this issue of hunger in the United States, um, there's a cultural aspect as well. So we have to be very mindful of, very intentional with who and how we are providing this food to, um, such that it, it, it is getting into the hands of community partners who know what to do with it. They know that, that it's culturally appropriate. They, and we know that they can manage the food and that they have the right resources, you know, for example, cold storage to take in and store this food. Mm. So my, th- this challenge comes at, you know, in order to fight this, you know, hunger on a gen- on a truly national and then global scale, we have to scale the amount we're moving, you know, m- well more than that, far more than a hundred million. I mean, we need to get into the billions of pounds. But we cannot do that without being super intentional and providing resources to mm-hmm. community-based partners who really know what's going on on the ground. Um, so that means, you know, the this kind of thing of in- incredibly quick growth with a, a community-based intention, and that uh, those two things can be sometimes antithetical. So uh, th- that's an that's that's absolutely a challenge, but there's no other way to do it. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right with that one. And um, how about the like the, the core principle? Because this is one of the things that I'm really curious about asking the guests that we have in the show. Like, what is the core principle that runs your system that mm-hmm. keeps your uh, this uh, group afloat for over three years now? Yeah, the core principle that we run on. Uh, our core principle is the idea that to live in a world you know, we don't look at this as, as, you know, uh, that when we talk about these issues at at hand, we have stopped talking about in the way of saying, Oh, a hundred billion pounds of food going to waste. And look how terrible this is. It actually is an amazing thing that for the first time in human history, we grow enough food to feed every single person on the Mm. planet. And, and our belief within this organization is to change this idea of there being, uh, of there being, um, a, a feeling of impotence against these problems because it actually is an opportunity. There is enough food out there. There's enough fresh and healthy food to get to people who need it, uh, which means that hunger for the first time in human history is something that actually is solvable. Um, and so, you know, however crazy that might sound to people, it is our core principle that you need to sort of understand that there is a roadmap to getting every single person in the United States and then eventually globally enough food and access to that food um and it, it, it's it's a crazy belief but it's the kind of belief that yeah. we're not in order to do what we we do now <laughs> yeah and aside from this um helping and getting the the food distributed is there like some solutions that that you got or like any um help that you can that you can aside from like getting the, the food distributed like what do you think is like the long-term solution for these food not going into waste? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, what we look at in terms of why the food is going to waste, there's no one group or institution who you can point a finger at. I mean, but the the stakeholders that that play a role are the farmers, our farmers, the United States and consumers. Uh, The consumer aspect is such that whether we like to admit it or not, we, we want to see you know, perfect looking produce or food in our grocery stores. And we want to see it year round. If you live in Albany, New York, you want to be able to see raspberries, you know, at your local Vons 
uh, in January, right? And that's not necessarily the way that uh, our and so we've designed our food system around that. And, and what happens then is we have to ship it, you know, the, the raspberries, let's say thousands of miles up from South America or wherever we're growing them. And, uh, uh, you know, a, a product like raspberries aren't meant to travel for thousands of miles. So what happens is it shows up at the retailer. Uh, if, you know, let's say X amount of that load of raspberries is bruised, um, mm-hmm. they're going to end up dumping the, the rest of the load because they know it's not going to sell. They know it's going to sit in the retail and it's not going to fit their standards. So we, you know, basically I would say that the, one of the big things that we could do is as a society is, uh, is begin to recognize where our food comes from and the process, mm-hmm. how it gets into our, our grocery stores would give us a greater appreciation for, um, you know, understanding that not all food needs to be picture perfect. In turn, that can change retailer standards because they follow the consumer, which is going to mean less rejected food, less stuff that is uh, turned around at the port or at the wholesale market. Um, and then the the final kind of step would be the government changing its standards, like USDA changing its decay standards, mm-hmm. saying if a farmer has something in storage and it has a decay rate of 2%, then that's okay, which is right now the, the cutoff. Um, Mm. and you know, the farmers we talk to, they're not sure why it can't be 4%. They see no discernible difference, but that little tiny percentage change equates to literally billions of pounds of food a year that is not eligible for market because of this seemingly arbitrary number. Um, so there's a very long winded answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the, but the answer would be consumer consumer standards that retailers follow and then government policy having more vis- visibility into that and more incentive to, you know, use food that is still good. Uh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, it's not just your group who is the one who like able to see this problem. I think a lot of people have seen it. Right. But it's just uh, I'm amazed by your group because you really like taking action of it. So if anybody wants to connect or anyone's like thinking about um, helping you, um, supporting you with this um, action that you're taking, what's the best way to do that? To connect with us, the best way is through our website, farmlingproject.org. And we, you know, there's a variety of ways in which they can get involved with us. I mean, the very first would be they actually can come and sign up to volunteer through our site. They can also give uh, any amount that it, and it's incredible how far we stretch that dollar. I mean, one dollar donated is going to donate about 20 pounds of food. So, you know, if you give five bucks a month, uh, you're going to be, you know, responsible for rescuing about a hundred pounds of food and turning that into meals. That's, that's how much you can stretch it. So, um, that, that explains a lot. So um, that's very short. I, I hope we have like more time to discuss this one further. But again, um, you're very doing a very good deeds in here. So um, uh, in a world like this, we need like more of people like you. So it, it's pretty amazing. So I really appreciate the, the time that you have in attending into our show. The information that you provided, it's um, pretty simple, but, but it's super insightful for us. So again, Aiden, I really appreciate your time in the show. Uh, keep doing what you're doing and i know you'll be able to help and provide a lot of like um value to the society with what you're doing thank you very amazing. Much. thanks for having me on i appreciate you appreciate you cheers